Hello, bitches. This is Better Left Said, and I am your host, Shay Rowley, a.k.a. Shay from Online, a.k.a. Miss King Kong Coochie. I know y'all are mad I left y'all hanging last week, and I didn't put out a new episode, and I do apologize about that. But the fact of the matter is, a bitch needed a fucking break. A bitch needed a fucking break bad. Everything going on in the world with coronavirus and protests and black women being assaulted and murdered, that mixed with my terrible mental health, it was just too much. So I had to take a step back and regroup. So those that understand do, those that don't can eat my ass. So there's that on that. Also, I caught a cold this week that low-key took me out and that I'm just now getting over. So if my voice starts crackling like fucking static, I'm sorry. Like, my life is like a Tyler Perry movie wig right now. Just torn and tattered and fucking askew. So, today's episode is going to be pretty light content-wise. But before I get into that, I'd just like to address a couple things. First of all, Americans, at the time of me recording this, there are 2.4 million coronavirus cases in the United States. 126,000 people have died. I'll repeat those numbers for y'all. 2.4 million, 126,000. And I'm sure by the time you guys are listening to this episode, those numbers will be even higher. So what I'm trying to figure out is... Why y'all are out here living footloose and fancy fucking free without a mask in sight going anywhere your feet can take you? Tell me. Tell me. The government has made it more than clear they don't give a fuck about what happens to Americans. But that's to be expected, given who we have in charge. However, I don't understand why y'all don't give a fuck about yourselves or the people that you care about. People are dying every fucking day. People young, old, everything in between, they're dying. But I guess what matters to y'all is being able to throw on that stretched out Fashion Nova bodycon dress and go to whatever hot and musty ass club you've been to a million fucking times already just to stand in the corner nursing the one or two drinks you can afford. You dudes want to throw on your skinniest jeans and those tired and weary Chelsea boots that are probably leaning to the sides at this point and go sexually harass women over brunch. I guess what it's going to take is either y'all losing someone you love or dying yourself for you to take this shit seriously, for you to see the severity of the situation, which honestly would be perfectly fine by me if it wasn't for the fact that you can have coronavirus and not show symptoms, therefore making it possible to pass it to literally anyone you come into contact with. If it wasn't for that, I'd say let natural selection run its course. But like I said, it makes sense for the government not to give a fuck. But y'all, the people, huh? Just because the government is opening everything back up does not mean you have to fucking go. Again, just because the government is opening everything back up does not mean that you have to go. Fuck. Like, the entire world has been dealing with this shit since what? February? March? It is now June, June, and the United States is one of the only countries still deep in this shit. I don't understand. 
But I think America's problem is that we're a very individualistic society. You know, we don't care about anything that doesn't affect us personally. And that's fucking sad. I'm really glad I've been in New Zealand for all of this as it's shown me what it's like to be in a country that gives a fuck. With leadership, that gives a fuck. With citizens, that give a fuck. We were in lockdown for like five fucking weeks. Streets completely deserted. And the only place I was fucking popping was the grocery store. Then we had like three or four more weeks of a different level of lockdown. But instead we were able to go through like drive throughs and order Uber Eats and shit. But my point being, people cooperated. We hated it, but we cooperated. Obviously there were outliers, but you know, people fucking cooperated. And even as restrictions eased up, people were still listening. I know I'm kind of comparing apples and oranges because the lockdowns here were government enforced. Like, they had cops patrolling the streets and you can get pulled over and fined if you weren't coming or going somewhere that was considered essential. But as I said, just because shit is opening up doesn't mean you have to go. Go to work and come home. Go to the grocery store and come home. If everybody did that, I'm sure things would look a lot differently. But voices of reasons are never in charge and I'm sure Trump and co don't listen to better left said so here we are like all I can really do at this point is stay on my loved one's asses about being careful and make sure me and my girlies are good that's all I can do because y'all don't give a fuck so I don't give a fuck anymore fuck y'all I'll say to wear a mask or whatever wash your hands do whatever you need to do but other than that y'all be easy y'all be fucking easy not my fucking issue no fucking more second order of business uh non-blacks you can tune out of this part I guess um so this is part of the reason I took a little break but um there was a whole week where pretty much every day I woke up and opened twitter and I saw dark-skinned women being harassed disrespected assaulted I saw a video of black men throwing a black woman in a dumpster while they all stood around and laughed I saw a black man hit a black woman in the face with a fucking skateboard because she wasn't interested in him and then there was Miss Toyin the 19 year old Florida girl who was found on the side of the road because a black man who prayed on her need for refuge after she was protesting for black lives like his decided to sexually assault her then murder her then dumped her body on the side of the fucking road may she rest in peace and may he rest in fucking shit i like i bring this up to say i'm not fighting for black men i'm fucking not any protesting donating spreading awareness this that and the third i'm doing it for black women and black lgbt that's my black community and I urge other black women especially other dark-skinned women to start feeling the exact same way I do I'm a dark-skinned black woman I always will be that's never gonna fucking change and black men will never give a fuck about me because of it that's just what it is I can open twitter and find a telephone book of proof within 30 minutes if that if that so I, I don't give a fuck about what they have going on. Sorry. I care about those that care about me. And the only people in the black community that have cared about me are other black women in LGBT. That's just it. 
I'm not getting beat the fuck up and shot with rubber bullets protesting for black men. Sorry. I'm not marching in the heat, yelling till my voice is raspy, whilst getting tear gas canisters thrown at me for black men. Sorry. I'm not donating money to funds or organizations that are black, cishet, male-focused. Sorry. I'm just not. Most of them don't even care about black liberation. They just want to be able to get away with the same shit white men do. Case in fucking point. Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby. Ask a black man his thoughts on them. Eight times out of ten, you're going to be sick. <laughs> like, it, it's sad. If society worked in their favor like that, they'd be cool with it. And sadly, there's black women out there who enjoy being mules for black men. And I, I wish y'all the best. I really do. But y'all know what's really sad, though? Y'all know what's really fucking sad? If every single black woman and every single black LGBT actually did stop giving a fuck as a whole, nothing would ever change. We're the ones doing the organizing. We're the ones doing the groundwork. They just fucking show up. If that. And it's sad that I and many other black women and black LGBT feel that way, but it, it is what it fucking is. It is what it fucking is. And that's all I have to say on that. All right, on to the lighter material. <laughs> so I've been living in New Zealand since late September. And just last weekend, I got my first Maori cock. Yay! For those of you that don't know, Maori people are the native people of New Zealand. You know, like how Australia has the aboriginals and America has the Native Americans, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, like, I know I sound like a hypocrite because I was just dragging y'all for, <laughs> for being out here living your lives and I was getting fucked, but I've been good, okay, for months. I don't go anywhere except to the store, to wherever I need to go to pick up weed and to the end of my driveway to pick up my Uber Eats orders. Sometimes I go for walks, but other than that, I haven't seen anybody. I haven't gone anywhere. I haven't done shit. I've been good. Just sitting in the house, cold and alone and horny, longing for someone to fold me like a fucking pretzel. So when the opportunity arose, I I seized it. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it, it's funny because I actually matched with this dude on Tinder with the intention of buying weed and buying weed only because weed is really the only reason I use Tinder these days because... As we all know, ladies, it is a cesspool of an app. Um, anyway, so he messages me and I'm immediately like, where can I get some weed around here? Because I just wanted to get straight to the point. And it really did seem like he was going to make something happen for a minute, but it ended up flopping because apparently his dealer doesn't like messing with strangers, which is understandable, I guess. So I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks anyway for your help. And I was ready to move right the fuck along. And he comes back and asks what I'm doing that night. And if I want to grab a drink. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. You're, you're kind of fucking useless. But I thought about it. And I was like, you know what? I deserve a night out. I deserve a night out on a man's dime. And he was cute. So I was like, whatever. Yeah, I'm down. And he tells me where he wants to go, and it's hella far from where I stay. So I'm like, um, are you scooping me? Are you sending an Uber? Because, bitch, I halfway don't even want to fucking go. So if I got to figure out how to get there by myself, you're just going to have to catch me at another time. 
but he agreed to send an Uber. And I'm like, okay, like, you, you might be worth something. So fast forward to me arriving at the bar. He gets me from the Uber and we exchange introductions and blah, blah, blah. And out of curiosity, I ask him how much the Uber was. And he checks and he's like, oh, it was $60. $60 and I was just thinking to myself like fuck if this doesn't go well I'm gonna have to pay for a $60 uber back home crying emoji crying emoji but it went well it went good he was cute in person he was funny he bought me all the expensive ass drinks I wanted and we ended up going to his place and he rocked me like a baby on his dick and in his arms afterwards he was really affectionate afterwards and I guess that has something to do with him being a Pisces I wouldn't know I haven't had any experiences with Pisces men prior to him are they are they super lovey-dovey let me know because I'm kind of into it <laughs> but yeah he was cuddling me and caressing my face and my hair and kept kissing my forehead and my neck and my back like he could not keep his hands off me and it was cool don't get me wrong but in my mind, I was like, damn, this would be nice with someone I actually gave a fuck about. But it was nice to have a little temporary intimacy, you know, as a treat. And his dick was so big. It was just, it was so thick and and meaty and uncut. I deadass forgot how much I missed uncut cock. I know I talk about it a lot if you follow me on Twitter, but... It had been so fucking long, fuck. As I'm sure most of you know, I am an uncut cock stan. My dream cock is thick, heavy, slightly curved, eight to nine inches, uncut with big, smooth balls. Emphasis on uncut. What do y'all's dream cock look like? I wanna know. Please at me on my socials. Tweet me at Shay from online or comment on my Insta. Better left said pod. I want to know what does your dream dick look like? Anyways, something I don't get is Americans aversion to uncircumcised penises. Why? The United States is the only country in the world that still regularly practices circumcision. If you go anywhere else in the world, the meat is going to have a little gristle on it. It's just what it is. Americans are starting to move away from circumcising their kids, though, which is good because it's genital mutilation. Let's just call it what it is. I think we should join the rest of the world in not doing it at all. And if I were to ever have a kid, God fucking forbid, and they have a penis, I'm leaving it the fuck alone. If they want to fiddle around with it when they get older, that is on them. That is not my business. But anyways, the main thing I hear come up when it comes to not liking uncut dicks is that they're dirty. <laughs> I used to think the same thing in high school, but then I grew the fuck up. What makes an uncut dick dirtier than a circumcised one? Because there's extra skin like, if that's your logic, is your pussy dirty? Because your pussy has about the same amount of folds and flaps as an uncut dick. It's not the dick. It's the person. If they aren't going to wash their dick while it's uncircumcised, they weren't going to wash it if it was circumcised. 
If a dude is dirty and musty, he's dirty and musty. That's just what it is. Don't judge me though, but I've had raw sex with one uncircumcised dick and it feels so much better for the girls, I swear. Not that I'm trying to encourage raw sex, but I, I swear that extra skin really just, it just does something to the walls and to the love button. Oh, plus it makes giving head a lot easier, you know, makes it easier to hit that double-fisted guac guac 3000. I'm trying to convert y'all. I used to be like y'all. I was disgusted at the thought of slurping on extra dick skin. But you know what it took for me to see the light? Living in Europe, a country where everyone except the tourists are uncircumcised. I had no choice but to be okay with it because it was either I suck it up and, you know, suck it up or I just go dickless and hungry. And it was my first time ever outside of America, so I surely was not trying to be a child of God. So I just faced it head on, mouth on, coochie on. And now that I think about it, my favorite uncut cock I've ever come across actually came from Madrid, Spain. And I've been wanting to tell the story for a while, but it's much funnier if I say it out loud than if I tweeted it or whatever. And now that I have a podcast, I have the perfect platform to share it. So before I begin, I would just like to say for legality purposes, this story may or may not be true. I don't know who's out there listening, nor do I know Spain's statute of limitations laws. I don't know if they can order America to have me shipped to them so they can string me up like a pinata. So this whole story could be made up. That's for y'all to decide. Okay? So picture this. It's February 2018, right? And I'm living in Madrid as an au pair, which is pretty much a nanny for those of you that don't know. And I was taking care of this bratty ass eight-year-old girl who I constantly wanted to punch in the fucking chest. I couldn't complain about the work part though, because I got paid to do pretty much fucking nothing. Like I woke up at 7.30, worked literally 30 minutes and just getting her ready, like getting her dressed and making her breakfast. Then her dad took her to school and I was free to fuck around till about four. Then I'd take the train to go pick her up and we'd ride home with the neighbor, which now that I think about it, I don't know why they didn't just have the neighbor drop her off and took me out of the equation, but whatever. So one night in late January, I'm on Tinder and I match with this 38, 39 year old dude, right? We'll call him, uh, Ricardo. (laughs) to be honest I don't remember his name so that very well could be it I don't know but he messages me and we're chatting and you know it's whatever nothing impressive and he asked me to hang out the next day and I say sure because you know I wasn't doing shit else so the very next morning he messages me at fucking 9 a.m and from there I knew this was about to be some bullshit I tell him he's not seeing me before 11 and shoot him my, my address and whatever whatever right And he arrives at my place around 12 in a taxi. Mind you, the family I was staying with did not live in Madrid City, like like the city center. They lived in the doo-doo butter ass outskirts. So for him to take a taxi from the city to where I was at was at least $50. So he hops out the car, comes up to me, grabs my fucking face, and kisses me. And I'm just so taken a bike. 
and I'm about to cuss his ass out. But then he pulled out a fat ass joint and I was like, Ooh, okay. All right. I'll chill. <laughs> so we're sitting on the bench near this big ass fountain. It's on the sun is shining. It's a beautiful ass day. Right. And I'm just trying to vibe and enjoy the scenery. And this motherfucker is just babbling, babbling, babbling away, talking fast as fuck. And I just keep tuning him out because I was much more interested in the joint we were smoking. And by the third time I tuned in, I came to the conclusion that, yeah, this motherfucker is a cokehead. So we finished the joint. He asked if I want to go get food and come to his place. And I, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm not, I mean, I'm not doing anything. And he orders a taxi. Now, I wasn't interested in anything physical at that point. But one, the area he lived in was close to the school I had to pick that kid up from, so it was convenient. And two, I wanted to see how a creature like this moves through society. (laughs) So we hop in the taxi, and he immediately starts babbling to the fucking driver. And I was so grateful for the driver, because he could act as a buffer and keep me from hearing this man's bullshit. But he kept looking at me in the rearview mirror, I don't know what the fuck for, I just look back at him like, baby, there is nothing I can do for you. Focus on the road. So anyway, we get the food. We get to his place. We're eating. We're talking. We're smoking because he done rolled about five fucking joints. I'm high as fuck at this point, And I'm, I'm much more receptive to his verbal assault. And he's telling me about how he was a rave DJ in Ibiza, which pretty much confirmed that he was indeed a cokehead. And then he goes in his kitchen and opens one of the drawers and pulls out a stack of money and is like, this is 5,000 euros. This is what was left over from the 93,000 euro inheritance my dad left me. And I don't know why the fuck he told me that, a woman he just met two hours ago, but whatever. Remember this though, because it's important to the story. So I checked the time and it's about time for me to go pick up the fucking demon child. So I start making my exit, you know? This was fun, it was nice meeting you, blah, blah, blah. I'm damn near at the door. And y'all, this man drops to his knees and starts unbuttoning my jeans and trying to pull them down. And I'm like, um, sir, the fuck? And he starts begging to eat my pussy. Begging. And I'm telling him, like, bro, I gotta get to work. And he just starts slurping me up against the door. And I'm like, like, can I at least sit down first? Like, shit. So we mosey on over to the couch and I text the neighbor. I'm like, girl, train is delayed. I'll catch y'all at the crib. Bezos. So he eats me like the last supper, gives me a, a pair of brand new, still in the box, Beats headphones and like four grams of weed. And I skedaddle home with my goodies. Right? And so he texts me a little bit later and tells me to come back tonight when I'm off, like off work. And I'm like you know what? I, I think I will. I, I think I fucking will. So I go over later that night and it was a drug fueled fuck fest is what it was. (laughs) He had bought hella drugs. He bought a brand new vibrator to use on me. We fucked a queen and Whitney Houston's greatest hits album. (laughs) Which was his idea, but it was kind of lit, not gonna lie. Like, I was there from 9 p.m. to about 5 a.m. My pussy was working a shift 
So 5 a.m. rolls around and it's cold. So I asked him to go outside for me and grab me a taxi. He lives on the third floor, mind you. So it was a bit of a journey to get down outside. And I'm left in his house alone. And I already have all my shit packed up and ready to go. But then I remember that stack of money in his kitchen drawer. And I go take a gander. And I do a quick check to make sure that he wasn't coming. And I slid open that drawer. And I relieved him of 3,000 euros. I did. I did. And the fuck? I did feel a little bad about it, though, and (laughs) put back about 1,000. But the ancestors told me to pick it back up. So I did. (laughs) And drugs were strewn all over the fucking counter. So I took a little bit of weed. And by a little bit, I mean, I took probably like six grams. Um, I thought about taking the vibrator because he had it charging on the fucking kitchen counter. (laughs) But I was like, no, that's too obvious. And as soon, as soon as I finished gathering up all my bounty, he calls and says he has a cab waiting downstairs. So I skedaddle on down there, give him a nice wet kiss on the mouth, hop in that fucking taxi. And I go along my merry way. 3,000 euros richer, which is about 5,000 American dollars. Now, if I was smart, I would have blocked him as soon as the taxi pulled off, right? Wrong. Wrong as fuck. I'm a stupid, goofy-ass clown bitch. I went back to the scene of the crime the very next night because I wanted my ass ate. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I get there and shit seems normal, right? He's rolling up. We're talking. It's whatever. Then he mentions he needs to drop by his other apartment down the street to get some shit. Other apartment? Okay. My dumbass goes with him. And we end up fucking there and I make a mistake. I, Shay Rowley, made a mistake. I fell asleep. I fell asleep before he did. <laughs> but I was high as fuck and I had just got my soul sucked out through my clit. So I was sleepy. And I wake up about 30 minutes later and I go in my purse to get something. And my passport is gone. Now... I know for a fact I had it when we got to his place. So I asked him where the fuck my passport is. And he's acting like he doesn't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So the more I ask, the more irritated I get. Like, where the fuck do you have my passport at? I'm getting hot inside because my passport is the only way out of this shitty ass country. So finally he's like, where's my 3,000 euros? (laughs) And (laughs) y'all, I panicked. I panicked, so I hit him. <laughs> I hit him. I put him. I put my hands on him. I'm sorry, and to my shock and awe, he shoves me against the wall. So it's go time from there, and I just start beating his ass all over his fucking living room, demanding my fucking passport. Mind you, it's 3 a.m. We're being loud as fuck. One of his neighbors starts banging on the wall, telling us to be quiet, and I'm like, shit. The police are about to show up and throw my ass in the fucking chokey. So finally, after I had to beat this old man the fuck up, he finally hands me my fucking passport. And we just quietly gather all our things and leave his apartment <laughs> and silently walk to the train. Then silently get on the train. And we don't even sit together. <laughs> and then we both get off at the same stop. And just go our separate ways without ever speaking to each other. And 
that was the last time I ever saw Ricardo. And I never admitted to stealing that money either. He had no proof. The fuck? And you know what I did? As soon as I got home, I took that money and I booked trips to Morocco, Portugal, and London. And bitch, I had a ball. I had a fucking ball. Thank you for being so fucking naive and entirely too trusting, Ricardo. Because of you, I got to ride a Moroccan camel, which honestly wasn't worth the money, but that's besides the point. But isn't it crazy that some of the best uncut cock I've ever gotten came from a dude that I robbed and then beat the fuck up for, for questioning me about robbing him? But again... I don't know if this story is true or not. I'm just fucking talking. I have so many crazy stories from when I lived in Europe. I might have to tell y'all a few. Give me a country and I'll see what I can do. (laughs) While I'm on the topic of money, though, I just would like to give a great big thank you to everyone that has donated to my Get Shay Back to America fund. Not that I'm stuck in New Zealand, but I want to get a flight now. And that requires flight now money, which y'all have managed to gather for me. And quite quickly, might I add. And it really does mean the world to me. You know, I love to help people and it may not seem like it all the time, but I do care about people. So it feels really good to have that feeling reciprocated. So thank you all so, so much. Like, seriously, you guys don't know how much seeing y'all running that shit up means to me. Not to sound like a bitch, not to sound like a pussy, but, you know, I really, like, I really do appreciate it. (laughs) I don't know how to express my appreciation without sounding corny, but thank you guys. I, like, seriously, (laughs) seriously, thank you so much. Everyone who donated $75 or more gets a big, juicy kiss if we ever meet IRL. All right. Listener questions. Okay, first up, Michael asks, did you do anything at 13-ish that we would drag you for today? Honestly, no. I was a very normal 13-year-old. I went to school. When I wasn't at school, I was at home fucking reading or I was at the library getting some more books to read because I was a nerd or I was watching shit that I had no business watching like Family Guy, Flavor of Love, I Love like I love New York, all that shit. Discovered porn. Not like Pornhub and, and XNXX and shit like that. I was watching HBO Showtime porn. And you know how you'd, (laughs) you know how you'd watch porn on the TV and then on the last button you'd have like Nickelodeon or Disney Channel or some shit set up. So if you heard some, some approaching footsteps, you could just click that last button and it looked like you were watching Nickelodeon. That's what I was doing at 13. Watching porn and watching Flavor of Love and reading books. So... Unless y'all would drag me for that, I don't think, I think y'all would leave me alone. As you should. I really haven't done much that's draggable. Wait. Uh, no. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, I don't think I was saying it at 13, but I did use the gay slur quite a bit. Like, a lot. Up until I was about, like, 16 or something like that I guess I would get dragged for that 
rightfully so. But I mean, I've been owned up to that. If you follow me on social media, I've been owned up to the fact that I used to say the word. And I don't really use the, oh, I was a teenager, I didn't know excuse, because I knew the shit was wrong, and I just, I just fucking stopped. But that is a conversation for another episode, I suppose. Question two. So two different people asked me my thoughts on pegging, if I do it, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just going to answer both y'all's questions at once. I have pegged a man before, just once though. It was back when I was 18, and he was a 27-year-old white man in the Navy, which, by the way, military men love getting fucked in the ass. I don't know what it is with that demographic and getting their booty button pushed, but they love it. If you're fucking a military man, dating a military man, ask him if you can peg him. Ask him if you can fuck him in the ass or pop a finger up there. Nine times out of ten, he'll be down. I promise. As for me, I do not love it. (laughs) Maybe it was because I was so young and that was sort of out of my realm at the time, but it was just awkward and he kept complaining about my stroke, so it wasn't really fun. I probably wouldn't do it again unless I absolutely hated the guy. Then I'd be down to tear that ass up. Literally. If y'all decide to give it a try, let me know. Give me the details about it. I'd be very interested to know how other women feel about fucking men in the ass. <laughs> let's talk about it. Let's start a let's start a roundtable discussion about it. All right. Third and final question. Strong Soul asks, "What criteria does a man need to have for you to have sex with him?" Girl, a personality. A fucking personality, and I know that sounds like bare fucking minimum, but keep in mind, it's men we're talking about here, and a lot of them don't have a fucking personality. When I was younger, I'm, I'm 23 now, I'll be 24 next month. I'll just say I'm, tw- I'm 24. So, when I was younger, I was fine with a guy who was just good looking and paid for everything. That was fine. Because, you know, I mean, I wasn't really looking for anything serious, this, that, and the third. So I guess, I mean, it didn't really matter how they were on the inside. But now that I've gotten older, I've seen some things, experienced some things, met some people. Like, I can't have sex with people that I don't have some kind of chemistry with, who I don't gel with. Like, make me laugh. Tell me some shit I don't, like, give me a fact I've never heard before. Teach me some shit. Um, you know, can we, can our conversation flow? Can we talk about interesting shit? Like, I need interest in you as a person. I don't even care if you're good looking. It doesn't matter if you're good looking if you don't have any kind of personality that I'm feeling. That's just what it is. So these days when I sleep with somebody, it's because I like their personality. But also they're good looking because I don't really fuck uglies. <laughs> Notice that I said not really, not that I never have. So if any of my IRL friends are listening to this right now, bitch, fuck you and get some fucking business. If you had some fucking business, you'd stay out of mine. <laughs> 
And with that, we have reached the end of this episode. I thank you all so much for listening and supporting me and my podcast. It really does mean a lot to my shriveled little heart. It feels weird calling myself a content creator now and low-key kind of corny, but shit, it's what I do. I'm creating content. Anyways, I love you all. Be safe. Do what you can to keep your spirits up. I know times are tough right now, but we're going to make it out on the other side. If no one else has told you that yet, Shay from online is telling you right now. And I hope you believe me because I'm the bitch that's telling you. I believe in us. We'll be okay. I love you all and I will see you next week.